Amen. Okay, so like we've talked about, again, for those of you who are, who are new, a couple of y'all, um, one of the things we like to do with this series is we want to show you guys things that you can take with you, because um, I get to teach for like 20, 25 minutes, you know, you get with the band for a few minutes, and then you're just kind of in the wind to be exposed to all the messages that culture um, and, and everything else, rap videos and all these other terrible messages about dating and relationships. And so we want to give you ideas and tools that you can keep with you that will help you, that will expose you to godly teaching on these things. And this book is called Single, Dating, Engaged, and Married. And it takes, Ben Stewart spoke at Passion a couple years ago and just rocked the house, and he's written a book since then. If you guys were at beach camp a couple years ago when we went through James, you guys remember this from back in the day? Ben Stewart wrote the book on James that we went through um, and just kind of was the guide for Bob and I as we, as we walked through it. Um, he wrote this book. I recommended it to the college students, and it's kind of blown up. A lot of the college students are really enjoying that. You'll hear a little testimonial about that tonight at the end, actually, um, from one of our very own. But I highly, highly recommend this book. He takes each stage of life, single, whoop, single, dating, engaged, and married, and he kind of talks through how each one is a gift, how we are to be good stewards during that season, and, and all that good stuff. So I highly, highly recommend that, okay? So without further ado, um, where are all my single folks at? Raise your hand if you are single. There we go, loud and proud. Hey, look around. Maybe, maybe they could be, maybe they could be, you know, who knows? Yeah, yeah. John's single. Nice. Welcome tonight, John. Thanks for playing bass for us. Um, <laughs> raise his hand. Um, so yeah, who knows? Uh, Kristen and I met at church. I'm just going to leave that out there. Um, turn to Genesis chapter 2. Turn to Genesis chapter 2. Um, it is the first book of the Bible. It is the second chapter. Should not take you too long to get there. And while you're turning there, um, so before, a couple years ago, before I met the lovely Kristen Naylor, uh, I too was single. And I got invited to a New Year's Eve party. And here is the guest list. It was my friend Will and his wife Olivia my friend Megan and her fiancé Josh, Megan's friend and her fiancé, and me at New Year's Eve. And so I was, have you ever been like a third wheel? You know what I'm talking about? One of the worst places on the planet. I was, for New Year's Eve, a seventh wheel. So this sermon goes out to all my seventh wheels, okay? Um, and this is so important and so awesome because God has so much to teach us in singleness. Um, some of you are single right now, and you're doing fine. Like, you, you really are. You're chilling. You're hanging out. Life is good. And some of you are single, and you're pretty much over it at this point. You're ready for this next phase. And I understand that, too. And we're going to talk to both of you guys tonight. Um, but I think a lot of times in singleness, it kind of alternates. Like, you're not just one thing all the time. You have parts of singleness where you're like, man, this is nice. I'm enjoying this. I'm able to relax, and this is good. And you have other parts of singleness that are not so much like that, where like you watch a movie like, uh, like Up, like Pixar's Up, and you're like, if I just had that, and you just like emotionally cannot handle your singleness. Um, but it does. It like rotates. It really alternates in different times. And, and I like that there are so many different variations of single life because to me that shows that there is so much for God to teach us in that season. So I want you guys to take away three things tonight uh, in singleness. Three things tonight in singleness. And for those of you who are in relationships, please don't tune out and don't think that this isn't for you um, because the unthinkable can happen and you can 
become single again. And some of you maybe have been single for a long time, and then you get in a relationship, and it's maybe there's a lot of trouble, or maybe it's just not quite as amazing as you thought it would be. All of that, look at me, all that ties back to your single time, okay? So let's talk through this season. Three things, all right, and you're in Genesis 2. Number one, it's okay to want to date. It is okay to want to date. So we're in Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse 23. Genesis 2, 23. And this is when Adam sees Eve for the first time. Genesis 2, 23. The man saw Eve and said, This now, or this at last, is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now we've talked about a couple of this, these things before, but one... Verse 23 in my Bible, it may not be that way in your Bible, but mine, it, verse 23 is kind of off by itself. Like it's either in all blocky letters or it's got its own paragraph or it looks a little bit different or maybe it has a little um, asterisk or something by it. That's because, why does it look different? Because it is different. It's poetry. It's song. Adam is not just talking regularly. He's singing at this point. Which is amazing because he sees this girl, and fellas, I know like poetry is not really your thing, and I totally understand that, but can you imagine, can you imagine seeing a girl, and she is so wonderful and beautiful and perfect for you that normal language just doesn't really cut it anymore, right? This is what happens with Adam. Now, but he says, at last, or this now, this means the same thing, is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He said, now, he says, at last. Here's why this is important. If you eat a, I love ice cream, but if you eat like a huge amount of ice cream, like a diabetic level amount of ice cream, and you're just like overloaded, it's, you're, you are burnt out on ice cream, if there even such a, is such a thing, and you're done. And I come up to you, and you're like, you're miserable, it's like you're happy, but there's pain, you know what I'm talking about? And I like slide to you one more bowl of ice cream. You're not gonna look at that ice cream, you won't. You're not gonna look at that ice cream and be like, at last. You're not going to say that because, because you don't want it. You only say at last if it's something that you want. Adam sees Eve and says at last because he's wanted this companionship. He's wanted someone like him. Now this is why this is important. Keep in mind this is Genesis chapter 2. Sin does not enter into the world until Genesis chapter 3. Adam is still perfect when he desires Eve, when he wants someone like him. Adam saying at last shows us that in Genesis 2, in his perfection, he still wants that companionship. He still wants someone like him. Adam in Genesis 2 is proof that being single and wanting to date is not a sin. Because sin has not come into the world yet. Wanting to date does not mean that you lack faith. Wanting to date does not, is not an unholy desire. Wanting to date is not a sign that you're displeased with God's plan. Listen, your boy wants a Banana Republic gift card real bad. I would be set if I could get one of those, okay? Just keep it in mind. November 4th is the birthday. Wedding's coming up, whatever you want to do. Um, just leaving that where it is. Um, that would be awesome, right? 
but I'm not going to let that desire run my life. And that's where you need to be with singleness. Adam wanted someone to be with. There was that desire. And listen, that's okay. That's fine. But what he didn't do is he didn't sinfully rebel against God when he didn't get what he wanted. It's okay to want those things, but he didn't sinfully rebel against God when he didn't get what he wanted. Follow this. Here we go. Right at me. He continued to walk with God in the garden until God brought him what he needed at the right time. And that's what you need to do as a single person who wants to date. Acknowledge your desire to date. Share that desire with God. Let me ask you, you you think he doesn't already know that? Spend some quiet time in Genesis 2. Um, Learn from Adam and let God work on your heart in singleness in Genesis 2. And that's the amazing thing. He's going to help you with this. He's not just going to leave you as like, well, that stinks, I'm sorry that you're single. As you, as you spend time in his word, your heart will begin to change. And you pray to him to help you with this, and you ask him, I want this so bad, I, I want to be satisfied in you, I want to do what you're asking me to do, but this is really hard, and every time I get on Instagram or, or whatever kids do, like I'm, I see relationships and how relationships are king, and I don't have that. Help me with this. God will begin to work in your heart. He'll begin to change your heart. So number one, it's okay to want to date. Number two, single does not mean alone. Single does not mean alone. There is a difference between those two words. And culture doesn't think that there's a difference, but they're wrong. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 45, I know you look at the Census Bureau all the time, I'm sorry, 45% of adults, 45% of adults over the age of 18 are single. That is the highest number ever in the history of America. Our country is literally more single than it's ever been before. 28% of households in America are single occupancy households, almost a third of them. Singleness is all over our culture. And here's why I tell you that, and you saw when you raised your hand too. I tell you this, I think it's very easy, and here's why I had you raise your hand too. One, because it was funny, but two, I think it's very easy, now follow me here, I think it's very easy for Satan and your own sinful heart at night when you're by yourself, to push in this idea that single is the same thing as being alone. Nobody understands you. Nobody else is going through what you're going through. There was a book released in the 80s called A View from a Hearse. And the hearse is the thing, is the car that drives the the coffin and the body to the funeral site. It was written by a guy named Joseph Bailey, and this is why it's called that. Uh, Joseph Bailey lost three different sons at different points in their lives. Three kids. And so the the, the book takes place where he's at one of the funerals, and he's lost a kid, so he's clearly devastated. And people keep coming up to him and saying all these different sayings, you know, keep pressing forward. Uh, God is good. Trust God. God is sovereign. And and the book basically talks about how how Joseph kept saying, I I need you guys to kind of get out of my face for a little bit. This is not helping me. This is not doing good. Please stop, right? 
And it just wasn't helping him because these people hadn't been through what he'd been through. Then another guy comes to Joseph who had also lost a son in a car accident in the previous year. Listen to what he says in this book. So keep in mind, they're the same. They've both lost a kid. He sat down next to me and didn't say anything. No words of encouragement or made-up phrases. He put his hand on my shoulder and sat with me in the stillness. After a few minutes, he got up and walked away. I wish that he wouldn't leave. I wish that he wouldn't leave. Sometimes, we don't need teaching or verses. Follow me. Sometimes, we need people like us with us. Sometimes we need people who are like us to be with us. And it's so easy in our culture and in your own sinful heart to think that you're the only one. So you hurt yourself and you don't make yourself available to others like you who are in the same boat. You drown in your own loneliness because you've forgotten that you're not alone. Look how alone you are. You have no one. No one understands you. No one knows what you're going through. According to the facts, that's just not true. Single people, nearly half the country is just like you. People who know what you're going through. People who have something important in common with you. People for you to meet. New friends to make. New special friends to make, maybe. There is community, here's why I tell you this, there is community waiting. And you have to get the word out that single does not mean alone. Our society puts up enough walls around each other. Don't let singleness be another wall. It's not. Third one, last one. Singleness is a gift. Singleness is a gift. And it's like, really? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now I'm going to kind of explain what that means. And leaders, please be on the lookout for students who are a little confused as to where 1 Corinthians is. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And this is Paul speaking, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. Paul says this, and when I find it, we'll read it. Here we go. Paul says this, Yet I wish that all men, so that's all mankind, yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and one in another. Paul says, I wish everyone was like me. I wish everyone was as I am. He's talking about being single. And what else does he say, though? Yet each man has his own gift from God, one in this matter and one in another. Paul is talking about being single, and he says it's a gift. And the immediate kickback is, well, what's the quickest way to return to sender on this gift, right? I don't want this gift. This is of all the gifts, like they're speaking in tongues and healing, but you give me singleness. Let me explain something. Um, singleness is a gift 
And that fact doesn't change just because sometimes we don't want that gift. It's a gift. Well, I don't want it. Just because you don't want that gift doesn't mean that it's bad for you. It's still a gift even if you don't want it as a gift. It's still doing you good even if you don't want it. Because singleness as a gift is so contrary to the belief that culture shows and how you feel. Because you feel that if people, and I'm the same exact way, you feel that if people are married or dating or engaged, that they're somehow ahead of you. Like if they're dating and you're not, you are somehow underdeveloped. This is not how Paul, look at me, this is not how Paul sees singleness. And it's in the Bible, so we know that this is not how the Holy Spirit views singleness. So watch what you say about it. Here's why this is so good. Because Paul was single when he wrote this. Either he's widowed or he's been single his whole life. He was single when he wrote it. Why is this important? Why are you like yelling? Meaning, the wisdom and joy that Paul has about singleness that he's giving you is not coming from someone who's already married. Because it's kind of annoying getting advice on singleness from someone who's in a relationship. So first of all, sorry. That's why Corey's coming in a minute. But second of all, especially when they're like in a relationship and they're like, oh man, like, I wish I was single again, bro. I'm so sorry. Do you though? Do you? Then why don't you just break up with them? Why don't you just end it? Like if you want to be single again. This is not the case with Paul, okay? Follow this. Paul is not sitting there being in a relationship, being able to go on dates, being able to go on trips with his girlfriend, saying, oh, being single is awesome, man. Don't worry about it. No, no, no. Paul is single, like some of you, Paul is single when he writes this, which means Paul knows the struggles and desires that single people carry. Paul knows how how society looks at single people. By the way, they judged Paul for being single way harder than anyone in this society will ever judge you. And yet, in his singleness, he leans into Christ and the Holy Spirit. And out of the overflow of his single life with God, he sits down and begins to write. And he doesn't write, I wish it was over, I'm ready to meet someone, I'm so done with this. No, he writes that it is a gift. How is it a gift? 1 Corinthians 7.35, turn to verse 35. 1 Corinthians 7.35, Paul says about being single, This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint on you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint on you, but to promote. Singleness, according to Paul, is not a restraint. Singleness is to promote, not to restrain. I really want to date this person, but you hold me back. Singleness is not to restrain. It is to promote. An example is like this, and I don't have a lot of field experience with this, so just kind of roll with it. In a garden, right? So that's kind of where my expertise are gone. In a garden, there's this exercise called pruning, right? 
And pruning is this. I literally looked this up today. Pruning is this. Cutting, I mean, I knew what it was, but you get what I'm saying. Pruning is this. Cutting away overgrown branches or stems so that the plant can grow more. Here's why, here's, why would you cut away so that it can grow? Too many stems and branches means the water is spread too thin and it can't get back down to the roots. So you have to cut away some of the stems and branches. You have to limit this tree so that it can grow more healthy. So that it can take in more of what it needs. Less branches and leaves means that the ones that are left can collect more air and more water so the tree can grow better. In pruning, follow this, in pruning, the tree is not allowed to grow wherever it wants. The tree is restrained so that it can take in more oxygen. It is restrained to promote growth. Your heart may be getting pruned right now through a long period of singleness. And listen to me when you're by yourself at home. It's not punishment. It's not just meant for restraint. God is pruning your heart in singleness so that you can take in more of Him. He is promoting. He is growing your devotion to Him. Just like verse 35 says, when God puts someone into your life, this is God's way of saying, it's time for you to grow in this way. And when God takes someone out of your life, or when God doesn't put someone in your life for a long time, look at me, it's not punishment. It's God's way of saying, it's time for you to grow in this way now. And here's the thing, guys. Don't waste your singleness. Don't waste your singleness. You don't have to turn there, but Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us there is a season for everything. It's that one you've heard, like a time to weep and a time to rejoice and a time to sow and a time to reap. There is a season for everything, according to Ecclesiastes. God has made and approved and approved a season for everything in your life, which means... He designed and approved a season of singleness in your life for a specific purpose. Everyone in here needs to get on board with singleness in some way because according to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, everybody gets to be single at least for a season. What is God's plan for you in your singleness? How is he going to grow you in your singleness? Some of you don't care. Because you're ready to be done with this season. I couldn't care less what God wants here. I'm ready for this chapter to be over in my life. Does that sound like you? Let me put it to you this way. Can you imagine how a book just wouldn't make sense? How a book would not make any sense at all if you just skipped a whole chapter? Like you're reading and you just take like pages 40 through 90 and you're like, and then you just keep going. It will, listen, it will mess up the whole book, will it not? But for some of you, I'm afraid that that's what you're doing with your life while you're single. You can't wait for this chapter of your life to be over, so you're just skipping it in your head. And it's ruining the whole book of your life. 
And then when you, here's, because here's the thing, and then when you finally do meet somebody, you're not going to be prepared because you haven't grown any in this season before you met them because you were so busy waiting for them, you didn't grow on your own. Now you can't help them. Now you can't protect them. Now you can't help them grow spiritually like you're supposed to. So this causes conflict in the relationship and painful times instead of happy ones. How ironic is it that in the time you wasted in your singleness, it's now costing you time while you're dating? What a tragedy that we see this chapter of our lives is written for us by God. This single chapter in your life is written for you by God in love. And instead of reading this chapter to the fullest, you're desperate to turn the page. I'm not saying you have to be fake happy. God's got a plan. I'm not saying you have to fake this. You don't have to be fake happy with where you are. Look at me. I'm asking you to make the most of where you are. Uh, you can't spend this season, you've been given a gift by God where you can spend this season getting to sort out the deeper parts of your heart before you have to help someone else sort out the deep parts of theirs. And that is scary hard work. Dating is awesome, but it's hard if you want to do it right. So for the time being, he's given a gift to you He's given you time alone with him. Instead of, do me a favor, instead of blowing around like a tumbleweed, waiting to bump into the next person that you're supposed to date, stop and plant your roots. Grow so that you can be a place of safety for others. Someone who is embodying this and growing, especially in the last few months, is one of our own, uh, Miss Corey Carmony. Corey is one of our small group leaders, and she attends our college service on Thursday nights, and she asked me if she could share a little bit about her season of singleness, and I was like, yes, you can. So guys, please give a warm round of applause for Miss Corey Carmony. Hey guys, so I am a junior at Barry. Um, and like I said, Ryan, or I approached Ryan and just wanted to talk to y'all a little bit about how I've seen what he just talked about come to like fruition in my own life. Um, but in order to do that, I need to let you guys know a little bit about my story. Um, so I grew up in a Christian home and was very involved in church. Um, I was saved or at least understood who God was and what he did for me when I was six or seven. Um, but then in middle school and high school, I went through a really rough time. And I, was com I felt completely alone, and that relationships were what defined me. Um, that unhealthy, uh, words, unhealthy dependence on the love and affection of others and the idolization of relationships continued into college. Um, but I found some great girlfriends that loved me through this period, and then they also explained to me what it truly meant to live surrendered to the Lord. So this past summer... Um, I was able to like completely surrender my life to Christ, and since then, the past eight months have been a whirlwind of change in my life. Um, I have come to understand that the only relationship that defines me is my relationship with the Lord, and that's such an amazing thing. Um, and so other things have started changing through that knowledge, so the relationships I have with Sam and Lauren have grown deeper, and they've grown in a very godly way, and they encourage me so much. Um, and then... They also aren't afraid to call me out if, you know, something's, something's up. They're like, girl, fix that. Um, and then 
the Lord has shown me that through them and through him that I don't need a boy to define me, which is huge. Um, it's something that a lot of girls probably struggle with because um, I know I do. And it's not saying that I don't want a boyfriend because I do. I mean, I'm 20 in college. It's kind of a thing. But uh, <laughs> you don't have to have a boy to be successful. Um, so instead of actively seeking a boyfriend, I'm actively seeking myself in the Lord. And that just means that I'm developing my passions and learning what I'm going to you know, do in the future. And I'm getting involved in different areas. Like I'm getting involved here at church in a high school group, which is something I was terrified of doing up until January when I did it. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, so um, singleness is definitely, definitely not a bad thing. It really is a time that the Lord is going to use you and work in you that so he can grow you to be the person that he wants you to be when he brings that person to you. Um, one way that I've heard it described is he is helping you become the person who the person you're looking for is looking for. Um, so just keep that in mind, and thanks for letting me share with you all. <laughs>